Psalm 16, 8. It says, I will set the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And when she spoke that, it was like, that's it. That's it. Because I believe like Pastor Shisko and Rick, like they were addressing a real problem. I'm, I'm all for like not ignoring problems. Because you ignore something doesn't mean it will go away. But there's times where you go after it, you go after it, and then there's times where you just have to ask the Lord, like, okay, Lord, what, what is going after this thing looks like? And I really felt like that was the word of the Lord for us and for our body at this moment, is you can go after that individual specific problem, but the scripture says, I will continually set the Lord before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So I said, what is the key to going forward? What is the key to abundance? What is the key to fullness? It's setting the Lord before us, continually setting before us. You know, you move towards, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, I'm sure we all have, is like you will move towards where your eyes are fixed. Anybody ever drove down the road and started admiring a car right next to you? And then you're wondering why that car is getting closer to you. And you realize, oh, it's you, because you're looking in that direction that you start moving in that direction. And I know a few years ago when I bought my um, truck, I never noticed a truck of this particular color or that looked this good. So I'm driving around. I get this truck, and I'm just admiring it. I really like this new truck. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing it everywhere. It's all over the place. Because you know what? The tennis, you will find what you are looking for. You'll move what you're looking towards. You'll find what you're looking for. And here's another cool part. You actually become like what you stare at. You've heard the phrase, you become what you behold. And so this idea, if we can continually set the Lord before us, if we can get a picture of the Lord continually before us, we're going to move to where he's going. And how many of you know he's going into good places, Right? We're going to find what he's wanting to show us, what he's wanting to reveal to us, and we're going to become like him. Good enough for me. Anybody else? I say that's a pretty good place to start right there. So what does it mean to set the Lord before you? I mean, there's several things, but I just wrote down a couple. It's one, focusing on his presence, focusing on his character and nature, focusing on his truth, and focusing on a promise. So before we go much further, I just want to kind of set a, a, a foundation to kind of build off this morning. How many of y'all in here believe that God is absolutely 100% good? Okay. How many of y'all believe that he enjoys and delights in giving his children good gifts? How many of y'all believe that he is full, he is perfect love, full of mercy? All right, y'all don't, indoor, come on, indoor, don't quit raising your hands, come on. All right, how about this? How many of y'all um, realize and know that nothing is impossible with God? All right, here we go. How many of y'all know that he is able to cause all things to work together for good? That's even out of our past sins and our past mistakes and the things that maybe people have done to us. How many of y'all know he can cause all things to work together for good, right? How many of y'all believe that he is able to make all grace abound to you so that you will have all sufficiency in everything so that you may have abundance for every good deed? Do y'all believe that? So setting him before us, that's what you're setting. That's who you're setting before us. And so you set him 
This is what he's like. These are his promises. These are his character and nature. And then it goes on to say is that because he is at my right hand. Now, right hand means this. It means a place of honor, a place of blessings, a place of provision, a place of protection, and a place of security. So when you are continually setting the Lord before you, it says he will be at your right hand. I'm all for, you know, have you ever heard the phrase, you know, seek the face of God, not the hand of God? Listen, God gives us permission to seek his hand, right? If he's telling you to seek his hand, seek his hand. Seek his face all the time. But there's nothing wrong with seeking his hand. I mean, going after a specific need, going after something specifically. But this is what he says. If you set the Lord continually before you, he will be at your right hand. What does the right hand stand for? A place of honor, a place of provision, a place of blessing, a place of protection, and a place of security. Set the Lord continually before you. Not just the idea of the Lord, but that his love is perfect. He's full of mercy. He's full of kindness. That he meets all of your needs according to his riches and glory. That he is faithful. He will never leave you. He can, you, he, you can do all things through Christ. You know, this, all this list of who he is. He's good. He loves to get good gifts. Set him before you continually. He is at your right hand. Then if, you know what it says? You will not be shaken. You will not be shaken. Yeah, that sounds, hey, that's, that sounds pretty simple enough, but that is the result. You will not be shaken. We will not be overcome. We will overcome. So if we continually put God before us, I think it's really hard to not be hopeful. I think it's actually a challenge to not be filled with hope if we're actually setting the God of all hope, full of love, full of grace, full of mercy, full of provisions, setting him before us. I think it's a challenging. And you know what? And I, this is what I realized. I really believe that there's a season, and I don't know if it's just dwelling place or church. There is an absolute attack on hope. There's a real attack on us to let go of hope. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope. It's interesting. It says, here it doesn't may the God of hope. It doesn't say, now may, may God who can give hope or may God who has hope. He says, now may the God of hope. He is the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a good word right there. May the God of hope fill you with what? Joy and peace. I think that's a good marker to know. Am I filled with hope? Am I, is there joy in my life? Is there peace in my life? It doesn't mean that everything's working out exactly according to my plan. But the question is, is there joy? Is there peace? Because it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In what? In believing. Ha! Huh. In believing. So that you will what? Abound in more hope. More hope. Second, um, I think it's uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, now abide in these things. Y'all probably know this. What is it? Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Now, in this passage, you see two of the big three. Faith, hope, and love are like two of the most important things in the Christian life, in the kingdom of God. And in this passage, you see both of them. You see, you see faith and you see hope. And this is what it is. Faith is the conviction of what? Things not seen. 
And hope is actually set where? Before us. So there's this idea, and what I want to talk about this morning is looking forward. What does it mean to continually live life setting the Lord before us and looking forward? Listen, two of the most important three things in a believer's life is out ahead of you. Faith is the conviction of what? Things not seen. You haven't seen it yet. So what do you need to do? You need to look for it. Where is hope? Hope is actually set before you. Jesus said, you know, he in what? Endured the cross for the joy, what? Set before him. It was actually what was before him is what he was looking forward towards. He wasn't excited about the cross. He was excited and looking forward to what was on the other side of the cross. And I believe what God is saying is like our life, believers, is about looking forward. Faith, hope, and love. Faith is conviction of things not seen. Hope is actually set before us. And I believe God is saying this to us. Ashton, can you bring me some of that water? My throat is pretty dry. I believe God is saying to us, it's time to look forward. It's time to look forward. Thank you. Hey, is Big Stone, are we hooked up with Big Stone Gap back there? Can everybody turn around and say, hi, Big Stone. I'm sorry, I meant to do that at the beginning. Hey, Big Stone Gap, Big Stone Gap dwelling place. We love you guys. So I know I should have done that a little bit earlier on. Excuse me. My throat was getting a little bit dry. So I believe God is saying it's time to move forward. Does that, does that anybody interest anybody at all? There's, it's time to move forward. It's time to move forward. I, I said, man, I'm, you know, there's a difference between being content and wanting more. I mean, you can be content and still want more at the same time, you know, and I'm hungry for the more, right? I'm, 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 I don't want us to, I want us to have an abundance for every good deed. I don't want us when the church, when there's a need, you know, that there, even a financial need that we've got to figure out, you know, like we just don't have it. I mean, I was thinking about even Rob and Sarah Brynick, they're wanting to adopt a baby. Would y'all consider that a good deed? I absolutely would. I, I think that's a really good deed, you know. And I, I think it'd be so cool if we just had an abundance. Like, it's cool they were going to do some work. It's cool they're going to, you know, they're trying hard. They're trying to come up with But how cool would it be if we said, hey, guys, we got you. Because we've got an abundance for every good work. There's no shortage of finances here. God's got a lot of good work he wants to do in the New River Valley. He's got a lot of good work he wants to do in this church. I just want the fruitfulness of ministry. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see the fruitfulness. I want to see more. I want to see more abundance and provision and ministry, fruit of ministry and healing and fullness, and joy, and life, and mental health, and relationships. I want to see more. I think there is more. I totally believe that there's more. So I think it's time that we look forward. Now, there was a, a person who decided to move forward, and he made a decision, I'm going to move forward. And he, he said, well, if I owe you any money, I'm sorry, but it's time for me to move forward. You know, and that was supposed to be a joke. And no one laughed. It wasn't good. You know, sometimes these sounds so good in your head, right? You're like, all right, let me try it again. So there was a guy, right? And he had made a decision that he was ready to move forward in his life. And so, but he also said, hey, it's, I, you know, it is time for me. If I owe you any money, I'm sorry, but it's time for me to move forward. All right, let me try it one more time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but here's what I want to say. There is a place, right, when we're moving forward. I'm not talking about moving forward irresponsibly. 
Sometimes in order to move forward, sometimes we need to make sure that we're not leaving a big mess behind us. You know what I'm saying? So I'm all about moving forward and, and you know, and I'm all about the dream and what's next and going forward. But sometimes if, if I've left a mess in my wake, God's saying, hey, what's getting in your way of your destiny is you need to clean up that mess first. You know, you remember Jacob in the Bible where Jacob was serving his father, father-in-law Laban, served him for like over 14 years and he was ready to move forward. God, God in fact said, hey, Jacob, it's time to move forward. Get your children, get your wife, get all of your all of your uh, animals, and I want you to move forward. So he gets everything, and he just takes off. He doesn't tell Laban. Now, when he's on his journey to, to move forward, yeah, do y'all remember what happened? He had a few people chasing behind him. <laughs> it was his brother Esau, who he had deceived some years back, and it was his father-in-law, Laban. Laban wanted to know, why didn't you tell me you were leaving? I couldn't even say goodbye to my grandchildren. I couldn't say goodbye to my daughters. Why didn't you tell me? And so he had Esau chasing him, and he, and he had Laban chasing him. And how many of you know, he had to clean up some stuff before he went on to the next place. And so I'm talk, we want to go forward. We want to look to the next. We want to dream, and we want to see what God has for us. But at the same time, we want to do it in a way that promotes relationship and responsibility. Um, that joke really was a dud, wasn't it? So I want us to look at this morning, I want us to look at four things that can hold us back. Y'all, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, brother. All right, so four things that can hold us back. Here's four things. Are you ready? Responsibilities. Some of y'all are just shivering right now. Let me explain that. Expired words, nostalgia, and regret. And I want to talk, I don't know how far, how many of those will get this today, but um, I want to talk about starting into that today. You know, Val and I, Val's a school teacher, and so summer times are great because in the summertime, she has an opportunity to kind of decompress. You know, because when she's at school, it's her personality, she's the eldest daughter, she believes in doing things really well in excellence. So when she's teaching school, she's giving the students and she's giving her coworkers, she's giving them 110%. And so, you know, she comes home. I mean, that's it. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of emotions. That's a lot of resources. And so I noticed like this summer, I'm like, wow, you know, my wife is beginning to dream again. Like, because I'm kind of the dreamer. You know, I mean, I don't like to categorize people, but just for the sake of illustration, she's kind of like the responsible one and I'm the dreamer. Again, just for sake of illustration, it may not exactly be like this, but I noticed as the summer goes along, like she's able to decompress. And we did some travel, and we traveled to Living Waters a couple times, and we traveled to the beach. And a lot of times when we're in these travel, we have, these, we have just really good conversations about dreaming, about the future, about the things that are inside of each one of us that, you know, it would be awesome to walk in and, and to experience. And so, and we do a lot of this when we're driving on the road. And so we just, this summer has been really good for us to kind of just revive and refresh and not just get into, what are you doing? I am surviving. Like, I am just putting one foot in front of the other and just trying to, you know, do, be the responsible thing, do the right thing. And, and that's absolutely important. But it was just exciting as a dreamer to hear and see my wife just, just begin to get vision and begin to dream about, about the future. Now, it's interesting. Now, the day that we got back from vacation, like, we got hit with all of these things. 
And they look like bills, sort of like, like bills, you know what I'm saying? And not just bills, but I also get this thing from the court that I am asked to be on jury duty for five weeks. I'm like, what can be five weeks long? And I'm just thinking of how that's going to consume my life and some of these ideas that we have for these, some of these new dreams and new ideas. And, and, you know, we go to the orthodontist and, you know, they're, they're saying all three of them need braces. I'm like, is this a, like, a life and death issue or is this just cosmetics? What are we talking about here, you know? I mean, so all of these different things we're getting hit. And, and, I, and I, it's my personality. I cannot take credit for it. But I'm able to be like, it's cool. We're, gonna, we're dreaming. We're still dreaming. Let's still dream. Let's still move towards the dream, you know? And then you got the responsible one thinking, hold on, put on the brakes. You got braces for three. You're going to be five weeks potentially, uh, you know, on a jury, doing a jury duty. And there was a couple other things that popped up. And so, you know, it's really interesting because in this, in this season right now, I'm, Val and I are really beginning to experience the strengths and weaknesses of the dreamers and of the... What do I call you? <laughs> responsible ones? I mean, I don't want to, it's not like dreamers aren't responsible. What? Steadfast. Steadfast. Okay. So you got reality and you got dreamers. And God is really beginning to speak to me about some of this. So this first point may be a little raw and unfinished because I really feel like there's more revelation to come in it because, well, I'll just share it. I'm just walking very carefully because I, because when, I, when I said, Val, you know, I told Val, I said, one of the things that hold us back from looking forward as responsibilities. Well, she didn't like that very much. Does anyone, any other, let me just ask a question. Is there anyone in here that we, maybe like they're the firstborn in the family of all the siblings? We got any firstborns in here? Okay, there's quite a bit of you. Now, I don't know if it's true, but it seems like there's a pattern of firstborns carry a lot of responsibility. Would, would you guys, anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so so what I'm in the middle of trying to work out this beautiful tension, and it is beautiful. And, and, I, said, and, you know, and I, I'm reminded, though, of two stories in the Bible. You know, the first one is, y'all familiar with the story of the prodigal son? Prodigal son, and you know the story. I'm going to read a few passages there um, about the end of the story where the father has this interaction with the elder son. You know, I guess you could kind of say the elder son was probably the responsible one. And maybe the prodigal son was, he was just, he was just irresponsible. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Thank you. And so here's the, listen to this interaction here. This is Luke 15, verse 29. But he answered, and he said to his father. Now, this is the elder son. Now, this is after the son, the younger son has come home. Dad's excited about the younger son coming home. Dad's preparing a big feast, a big party for the younger son coming home. But it's not like he went, went out and started a business and, you know, and was carrying the father's name on. He went out and squandered everything with loose living. So we're talking about partying. We're talking about prostitutes. We're talking about just wild, crazy living. So the son is out in the field doing the responsible thing. He's doing his job and he's working. And then the younger son comes home. And this is the, this is the older son's reaction. He goes, look, for so many years, I've been serving you. And, and I've never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, you notice it's no longer his brother. When this son of yours came home, who has, and he's reminding the dad of what he has been doing. When he has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. 
Now, for the responsible one, this is not computing. This does not add up, right? I see a few of you shaking your head, right? It doesn't add up. This doesn't make any sense. He goes on, and the father responds to him, and he says to him, son, you have always been with me, and all that I have is yours. And I'm like, what happened? What was it about all of those things, not neglecting a command, serving him all of those years? What is the relationship between that and missing what was right before him all along? I'm intrigued by that because we know this. Does the father want us to follow his commands? Absolutely. Does he want us being responsible? Absolutely. Does he want us serving others and serving those around us? Absolutely. But I realized that there's something that can hinder. You can have something in your account, but not in your possession. So what is it that hinders us from looking forward? He said, it's been here all along. All you had to do is open up your eyes and see that everything I have is yours. In other words, I would have given you a goat any time to have a party with your friends because all that I have is yours. Now, there's another interesting story about someone that was pretty responsible in the Bible. And unfortunately, I think she gets a bad rap a lot of times. Y'all know who I'm talking about? Mary and who? Martha, right? Martha invites Jesus to come into her house because Martha wants to do what? She loves hospitality. She wants to do what? Serve Jesus. Anyone think that's a problem? No. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Jesus is pretty excited. You want to serve me a meal? I'm thinking that's a blessing to Jesus. Anyone ever feel blessed when they're served a meal? So, you know, you know the, how the whole story goes. Martha is really like doing her thing. And actually, it's really interesting. In the, in the New Testament, that, work, that word there for serve is actually, because it says that she, you know, that Martha was busy with preparations. That word preparations is actually the Greek word, I don't know exactly how to say it, diakonoia. That, actually, that is a really good word. That is the word that we get ministry from. That is the word we get service from. The form, the, ver, the noun form of that word is deacon. That's a good word, Right? So it says that Martha was busy with doing good things, being responsible. I'm not, I don't know this for sure. I'm thinking that Martha was the eldest. I'm just guessing. Work with me now. She was the one that invited Jesus into the house. She's doing the preparations. On another occasion, she was the one serving Jesus. Remember when Lazarus had died, Jesus was coming back in town. She was the first one to go to Jesus Martha had it going on, y'all. Martha had a good relationship with Jesus. So what was this all about? Martha, Martha, you are bothered by so many things, but only one is important. Just keep on dreaming. Just keep on dreaming. That's the way I read it. Don't worry about anything else. Just keep on dreaming. I don't think... Jesus was rebuking Martha for serving. I don't think Jesus was rebuking Martha for preparing a meal. But I'm like, what is it, Lord? Because some of you are wired that way. Thank God. 
you serve. Thank God it's your heart. You want to see something done. If there's any bosses in here, do you want to, do you want to hire a, a, a responsible person or a dreamer? I'm just saying, we value them, right? We value the person that can get a job done. We value the person that's counting the cost. We value the person that wants to do it in a way that, that says, well done. Man, that's well done. Thank you. You did that really well. So what's the deal? Now, what happened? Why did she get rebuked for doing that? Now, this is, this is my conclusion. Now, you guys can help me. Um, I, I believe there's two things that happened why Jesus ended up rebuking Martha. All right. So the, the first thing is, is that I believe, obviously, you could see that in, in the process of serving Jesus, it's easy to see Mary set Jesus right before her, right? We get the picture. He's, she's seated at his feet. The question is, could Martha set Jesus before her in all of her serving and all of her preparations? I propose that she absolutely could set Jesus before her. I propose to you that no matter what you do, Sunday morning, uh, your nine to five, the marketplace, that you could set Jesus right before you. But see, there's evidence that Martha lost sight of setting Jesus right before her because you begin to see you begin to see some bitterness set in so you see anger and you see bitterness and see that is one of the great temptations about you really responsible people <laughs> which is a really good thing by the way I'm not knocking that so I don't mean to say responsibilities can hinder you from looking forward but I'm just saying guard yourself Make sure that hyper-responsibility thing doesn't become you measuring the other people around you that just seem to be the dreamers that aren't doing, they're, they're carrying their share of the load. That, because what happens is, is the, the responsible ones feel like, well, I've got to do this then if this is going to happen. And so not only that, so when you start to see a little bit of that bitterness and anger this thing come in, then look out. You stop setting the Lord before you. And not only that, there's a real big difference between expectation and expectancy. See, expectation is it's going to look like this. And this is how it's all going to come together. Matter of fact, really responsible people often see the whole thing. They know what step, they know, they know what it's going to look like, and they know all the steps come in there. But if you're not careful, you've just developed an expectation. I want to propose live with a sense of expectancy. Watch out for the expectation. Because what happens is the expectation just sets you up. Why didn't she help? She is supposed to help me. Where was mine? And all of a sudden, because in expectation, you start taking control because you start determining what it's going to look like. But when we live with a sense of expectancy, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I know he's good. And I know he's faithful. And I know he has an abundance. And so I'm not sure. So this, I just feel like, you know, this thing, that you're really, 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 really responsible. Just guard against expectations. Because if you live with expectancy, I actually believe that that actually opens you up. Expectation sets you up. Look at the guys on the road to Emmaus. They had the right word. He was going to raise from the grave. Jesus comes walking right beside them. They set themselves up because they knew what it was going to look like. They thought they knew how it was all going to work out. And it didn't work out like they thought. It didn't look like they thought. And therefore, they didn't see him. And it says that they were disappointed. 
So I think it's really important that we learn to live looking forward, that we learn to live with this sense, excuse me, of expectancy, not expectations. Listen, here's the reality, though. Dreamers need to do and doers need to dream. I think it's the beauty of the two of them merging together. It's not one or the other. And I absolutely think the scenario could have been completely different. I think Martha could have done what she did. And at the end of the meal, Jesus went, would have, could have gone up to her and said, Oh, you chose the good thing, Martha. Thank you. Because you did that thing as you did it as an act of worship. Not out of this sense of obligation and duty because you're the responsible one. You did it out of worship. And you did it keeping me ever before you. And I believe the whole outcome could have... So a lot of times we think about it was what she did or didn't do. So let's be clear. Being responsible is not the problem. Amen? But it's that thing that can happen is when that hyper-responsibility kicks in and where bitterness can start to set in or anger can start to set in. You start looking around and you start seeing, why are you carrying more of the weight? Or it's when the expectation of what you had it all working out didn't work out quite the way you thought. That's what can hinder you from looking forward. That's what can hinder you from living with an act. Because then you know what needs to be done to get her done and then you just start getting her done. And then you stop looking ahead because you're too busy getting her done right now. You guys okay? All right, the second thing, this is the last thing, by the way, we're going to do this morning. The second thing that really can hinder us from looking forward is stale bread. This might kind of sound weird to you guys, but actually words can expire. Not all words, <laughs> Right? Like when he said, take, that one, take her to be my wife, like that word doesn't expire right there. It can be tested, right? And I could, I could entertain, is this word expiring? <laughs> but I know what the word of God says. The word of God says, no, that word doesn't expire. That one's, that one's got a long shelf life. It's not because of preservatives either. It's because of who I am. But there are some words that expire. So go back to Psalm 16.8. Psalm 16.8 I have set the Lord, here's the key word in this thing, continually before me. You notice, you notice that word continual. That word continual is really important. It did not say that I set the Lord before me on Sunday mornings and I have enough fuel to live the rest of the week. It does not say I set, from time to time, I set the Lord before me. It says I continually set the Lord before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I want us to think about a couple, a couple examples in Bible. You all familiar with Abraham? Abraham received an awesome promise from God, didn't he? Abraham has received this promise. You shall be the father of many nations. How many of you all realize with most of God's promises, we get to partner with them? Amen? I'm thinking Abraham's pretty excited. He gets to partner with this promise that he will be the father of many nations. So he gets about, you know, partnering with God to see this thing come about. But you know what happens. It's not coming about, is it? So this is the picture I get. He had the Lord set before him. He's doing the next logical thing, which is to have sex with his wife, right? He gets to partner with God. I get to partake to do this. It's not working. So what does he do? Let me just set God over here. Let me find, uh, was it Hagar? Let me find Hagar. 
And let's just get this thing going. Because this, this is what needs to happen. If I'm going to be the father of many nations, guess what I need to have? Some children. Right? Some children. And you know what happens? He gets the Lord back in front of him. Right? He gets his focus right. Sarah becomes pregnant beyond her natural ability. He was beyond the years of being able to have a child. And her, and her womb was considered as good as dead. Right? Impossible. But we know this, that God is the God of what? Impossibilities. So when you're facing an impossibility and you've got God set before you who is the God of impossibilities, you can have what? Hope. You can have hope. So we know this. So, he, so Abraham, they have Isaac. They have their son Isaac. And so here it is, right? It's the beginning of the fulfillment of this dream, of this word that God has set out before us. And then he hears this other thing. He hears this other word. It says, I want you to kill Isaac. I don't know. I'm thinking this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? If I'm going to be the father of, of, of many nations, here's the seed right here. To actually kill him doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But what does he do? He's obedient. And so that's what he plans on doing. He actually plans on killing Isaac. But aren't you thankful he didn't stop listening to the Lord? Aren't you thankful he kept the Lord before him? So when he got up there to kill Isaac, and that's a strong word, kill Isaac, he heard this other voice, put the knife down. I provided another sacrifice for you. And I'm just thinking, it's a good thing that he didn't hold on to it. Lord, you told me to kill him. And I'm not letting it go because I'm holding on to that word. Yeah. And there's certain words in our journey that aren't meant to be destination points. They're meant to be just checkpoints. Because God is ultimately more concerned with your heart in relationship with you and communing with you and interacting with you. And it's not going from assignment to assignment to assignment to assignment. It's communion. It's intimacy. It's relationship. It's where he's speaking and you're listening. It's that relationship where Jesus said, I do what I see my father doing. My bread is to do his will. Give us this day our daily bread. Yesterday, he told him to kill Isaac. Today's daily bread is, I've got another sacrifice for you. And sometimes words can aspire. Remember Elijah, Elijah, there was a drought. God speaks to Elijah and says, go to the brook and I will provide for you. He goes to the brook and what happens? God provides for him. But before too long, the brook does what? It dries up. Have any of you ever walked towards what you felt like the Lord was saying? Like God, you felt like God set something before you, a promise, a word, a dream. You start walking towards it. You get there, and at first it's like, yeah, this is it. There's water in the brook. And then after a little while, the brook dries up. Because if you don't set the Lord continually before you, you begin to entertain going one or two different routes. I guess I didn't hear from God. Maybe it was the wrong brook. Maybe it was a different brook. Maybe it wasn't a brook at all. Maybe I was just hearing things. Because if this was God, the, water, the brook would be filled with water, right? This is common sense, right? This just makes sense. Right? Or he could go begin to question the goodness and the character and the nature of God. God, if you're really provider for me, why am I dying of thirst all of a sudden? You begin to question the word 
And both those, either one, it just takes you out of trust and it takes you out of believing, it takes you out of faith. But he set the Lord before him. And what the next thing the Lord said, I want you to go to this woman who's a widow. She will provide for you. Okay, set the Lord before you. I've got another word. Hope is rising up. Just caught a sea bass off of a, of, off of a sand flea. All right, I've got energy to go three more hours. Elijah gets another word. The widow will provide for you. I think I've got enough strength to make it to the widow's house because I haven't drank water in a long time. He gets to the widow's house, and he sees the widow, and he asks the widow to give him, give him a drink. And he asks the widow to give him some food. And you know what the widow says? In case you haven't noticed, we've been in a drought. Yeah, and this, this last little bit of food I got, I was preparing it for my son and I. We were going to eat it, and then we are going to die. This is our last meal. So what is it, you know, you, so, Eli, so put yourself in Elijah's shoes. Like, seriously? Because here's what happens is sometimes we get a word. And when we get that word, we start moving towards it. Praise God. Get the word, move towards it. But if we don't keep the Lord continually before us, and our ears aren't constantly turned to him, our eyes aren't constantly looked to him, sometimes he wants to do a new thing. But see, we're programmed for the next thing. I, I'm here. The next thing is what? Water. He says, go to the widow. The next thing is the widow's going to feed me. The widow's going to provide water for me. It just makes sense, right? But here's the question. What if it's not the next thing? What if it's a completely new thing that he wants to do? And see, it becomes more about the posture and position of the heart that says, God, I continually put you before me. It may be the next thing. It might just exactly be the next thing, but it could be a new thing. And God is really interested in relationship. He's really interested in your heart. He's really interested in this. It's called communion. It's called intimacy. This is what he's made you for. And he tells you in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. In other words, it's knowing his character, knowing his nature, He's good. He's good. He's really good. He's perfect love. He's full of mercy. His grace never runs dry. God, you're good. And I didn't realize you can turn good out of my mistakes. I'm not, I don't have to look back and say, oh, man, I made my bed. I guess I'm just lying in it right now. That's not God. That's not God. And see, when you set him, when you continually are setting, you trust in him with all of your heart. It says, don't lean. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, that means it may not be the next step. It may be a brand new step. It's never wasted time or energy when you're walking towards the Lord, is it? Never. He might say, I want you to do this. And you get there. And he says, now I want you to do this. He said, all oh, that energy and all the reason, that was a waste. Oh, no, it wasn't. Oh, he was training. He was equipping. He was building someone up that he could entrust with abundance. He could entrust that they would not give in or tap out when things don't look like they're supposed to look like. He was building men and women of perseverance and endurance that would not throw in the towel when things get tough. So don't lean on your own understanding. Guess what? Acknowledge him in all of your ways. That means whether I'm walking here whether I'm turning, you know, wherever God's telling me, all I'm wanting to do is I want to know you in this decision. 
I want to know you more right now in this situation, in this dream that I've been entertaining. I think it's from you, and I want to know you in it. You have absolute liberty and freedom to tweak that dream and change that dream and give me a whole brand new dream. But until you do, I'm going to steward it the best I know how. I'm going to go after it. But in going after it is this. I want to know you in this place, God. I love you more than the dream, more than the destination, more than the end point. It's in the journey of knowing you and knowing you more. And it goes on to say that he will what? Direct your paths. So this morning, I really think that God is giving us a word as a church. Look forward. Brothers and sisters, family, let's look forward. It doesn't mean we don't stop. If God says stop and look at, look at this, look at this. But I think he's wanting us to set our eyes on him continually and then resting the confidence. He promises if I do this, he does this. He sits right here. And when he's sitting right here, he cannot be at my right hand and me not experience that. The right hand, the hand of provision, the hand of strength, the hand of blessing, the hand of protection. And see, and it's my job not to let frustration, the bitterness and disappointment of unmet expectations, disillusionment, and those things keep me from setting him before me. And so I believe this is the response. And, and Melissa and team, if you guys want to come up and... And just begin, um, just to, I just want to, I think that we have an opportunity to respond right now. And, and this is it. I, I think the first thing is this. Some of you have been cruising along and you mistook the destination. I mean, you mistook the checkpoint for a destination. And maybe, and maybe in that place, you begin to entertain one of those two things. Well, I must have missed it. I didn't hear right. Or where was God? He told me to come here, and I don't see him here. Where is he? And so maybe God's saying, no, keep looking. Keep listening. There's a widow that will provide for you. And if the widow doesn't provide for you, I've got another provision for you. But it's getting to know me in the journey. It's trusting me in the journey. And I think that some of you right now, you've mistaken checkpoints for destination. And I just want you just to, just to lay that before the Lord. Anything that came along with that, maybe it's hurt, maybe it's pain, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's anger, maybe it's just disappointment. You know, maybe it's, maybe you question the goodness of God. And you just, you're just really down on yourself. Maybe you don't even know if you can hear or listen more. Listen, I'm not interested in introspection. Please don't beat yourself up. Stop looking at yourself. Just look at him. Just look at him. The other response this morning there's some of you that are just ready to run and go forward. And God may be saying this, daughter, son, I've got a great destiny for you. I want you to run. But at the same time, you've got a couple things I want you to clean up. And maybe some of you guys, you've been trying to run, but you keep tripping up because maybe there's a relationship you need to clean up. Maybe there's something that you need to clean up. Listen, that's not easy. It's not easy. It can be really challenging to humble yourself up. I've been in that position a lot of times where I've had to humble up and just say, sorry, you know. And then there's some of those this morning that I just want to invite you just to deal with. Just do, man, praise God that you're a responsible one. <laughs> praise God that you know how to get it, get her done. 
Praise God that you love to serve. Praise God that you're always ready to pitch in. And you can see the beginning from the end. You see the steps and you see the plan and you see all that. Thank you. Just don't let that become a place of comparison, which leads to bitterness and anger to those that are around you. Don't let, those, don't let that become an expectation that you live on, you put on yourself and on everyone else. And when it doesn't look exactly like that, you're, not, you're left to be set up with frustration. And so this morning, George and you guys, would you guys come forward? We're going to have the prayer team, response team. Do you have something, Jim? Okay. Come on, Jim. Thank you, Daniel. That was a great word. Along with the, the many things that Daniel laid in front of us to respond to, um, I felt like this morning the Lord gave something that runs very, very parallel, very close to what Daniel was talking about. When I was first married, I remember that feeling coming home from work and then following Jean around the house because I thought she was the greatest thing ever. And I just was so smitten. And finds you'd be like, go to the garage, go find something to do. Because as you know, I was just kind of following around. And, you know, I realized that was puppy love, it was new love, it was young love. But in Revelation 2, to the Ephesian church, Jesus said, I've seen your works, you've done all these things, you've persevered, you've endured, but you've lost your first love. And so his, his exhortation was to return to the first love. And I think that that was one of the things that, that the Lord was speaking this morning, that there are those you desire to set the Lord before you, and you do, and you love the Lord, but you've lost your first love. And so I would encourage you to agree with folks up here or in your seat. Say, Lord, I desire to return to first love. I choose to return to first love. And ask the Lord to help you. Show you those things that have worn you out and taken you away from first love so that He can be directly in front of us. Directly in front of us at all times. So we're just going to invite you this morning um, to come forward. We're just going to spend a few minutes just... Just be with the Lord for a few minutes. Just spend a few moments with the Lord. I think it's a really good time just to, just to have a little conversation with Him, just one-on-one. -on -one. And the prayer team is here this morning. If you have any need, and certainly if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have not been introduced to Him, you are not following Him, you're not His disciple, then we invite you to come up this morning. We would love to introduce you to Jesus. And if any of those other areas this morning kind of Touch your heart and God's speaking to you. We invite you to come up this morning. All right. As Melissa leads us, we have an opportunity. To some of us, you're speaking next. To some of us, you're speaking new. God, for some of us, you're saying, don't, don't be 
distracted because you've not arrived at the destination. To all of us, you're speaking today is your day. Today is your day. And Lord, as we open our hands, as we went into this time of word, we went in with our hands open. But we have time. We're going to take that time. To some of us, it's letting go. To some of us, it's receiving. Lord, I, I thank you that your spirit is vibrant that it is full, it is full of compassion, that you are our faithfulness, God.